We've reached the final week in our series called Pillars of Faith. Over the last three weeks, we've talked about how faith lets us take hold of God's promises. Uh, faith helps us discern the will of God and, and see what lies ahead. And faith shows us God's strength in us is more than enough for whatever struggles we may be facing. Uh, today's focus is faith enough to wait. Faith enough to wait. Do you know that God has not overlooked you? Faith trusts that we have not been overlooked by God. That's the main idea uh, printed on your bulletin insert, the GPS or Grow, Pray, Study Guide. And I encourage you to take out your GPS now and fill in the blanks to complete that statement. And then use the questions and next steps listed there this week to reflect on what God is saying to you and how you can respond in faith. Faith trusts that we have not been overlooked by God. When I was growing up, my family was good friends with a couple uh, who lived, of all places, here in Spry. Can you believe that? Uh, Janet and Kenneth Benfer. And they were a wonderful couple who got to know uh, my grandparents through church and became very good friends for many decades. They were so close to my family that it was like we were related. We called them Aunt Janet and, and Uncle Kenny. And well, Molly and I now live close to where they live and uh, where, where I would visit them as, as a kid. And when I would go to their house uh, to swim in their backyard pool, and they lived there for many, many years and loved it. And you know, we love it here too. We love the people. We love the community. We love all the great things God is doing in our church and through our church. The Benfers had friends from Switzerland whose daughter, Marianne, came to live with the Benfers for over a year. She was in high school at the time, and during her time here, she became close friends with uh, my mom and uh, her sister, my, my Aunt Cindy. And that friendship continued over the years. When Marianne got married, she and her husband vacationed in the U.S., and they stayed with the Benfers here in Spry. Uh, a, a dinner, a, a banquet, you could even say, was given uh, in their honor. And at the head table sat Marianne and her husband, of course, uh, along with my Aunt Cindy, Marianne's friend, uh, Ken and Janet Benfer, and another close friend of the Benfers, uh, a, a church leader who was a bishop. Bishop Cadenick was his name. And bishop Cadenick was an important and influential person. Uh, he was also someone who knew he was important. <laughs> Uh, have you ever met anyone like that? Those uh, who are, are important and they're very self-aware <laughs> of their own importance? Uh, the bishop noticed my Aunt Cindy uh, sitting at the head table, this place of honor. And he was sitting there too, of course. Um, but there weren't very many sitting at this table. And he noticed that she was there and he didn't know her. And he wondered, why was she there? So he turned to the guests of honor from Switzerland and asked them in German about Cindy. Who is she? 
And what is she doing here at this table? He didn't realize that my Aunt Cindy was a high school German teacher. <laughs> so she knew what he was saying. He was caught off guard when she responded to him, I'm a very good friend of Marianne's. And she responded in German <laughs> to indicate she clearly understood what she had just said, or what he had just said about her. Who is this person? And why is this person here at this place of honor? So often we get caught up in valuing the wrong things, glorifying personal status, craving attention and recognition, comparing ourselves to others and trying to figure out how we're better than those around us. Those are the ways of the world, but they're not the ways of God. In our reading for today, Jesus says the proud will be humbled and the humble will be exalted. Why would he say a thing like that? What does that mean for you and me? As we listen and understand, I believe we'll learn that this is such good news for us and for our world. Jesus goes to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, a Jewish religious leader, and Jesus notices how the guests pick for themselves the places of honor at the table. So he tells them a story. He says, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, don't take the place of honor. Uh, somebody more important than you might have been invited. And then the host will come and call out in front of everybody, you're in the wrong place. The place of honor belongs to this person. And humiliated, you'll have to make your way to the very last table, the only place left. But, Jesus says, when you're invited, take the lowest place. So when your host comes, he'll say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you'll be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Or as one version puts that last line, if you walk around with your nose in the air, you're going to end up flat on your face. <laughs> but if you're content to be simply yourself, you will become more than yourself. With this story, Jesus openly rebukes those who seek the best seats at the banquet. How often do we jostle for positions, reach for impressive titles, and run for the very top places in order to signal to the rest of the world that we're important, that we have arrived? Why are we so inclined to believe that unless we take measures to highlight our own work, signal our own importance, and sit where we can be seen by others, people will misunderstand how we rank in the kingdom of God. Again and again in scripture, we're told that pride goes before destruction, and a haughty or arrogant spirit before a fall. Jesus consistently speaks of how the exalted will be humbled and the humble will be exalted. Still, we struggle. The, the pull of uh, worldly recognition can be so strong, so can our impatience. And we sometimes lack enough faith to believe that we've not been forgotten by God. 
Jesus had been invited to this dinner party at the home of a leader of the Pharisees and had already made a bit of a scene by once again healing on the Sabbath. We heard about another Sabbath healing last week and how the religious leaders didn't like that. And, and here Jesus is at it again. And, and then he calls out the guests and, and how they're, they're choosing to seat themselves in places of honor. Maybe the lesson is don't invite Jesus to a party if you don't want him to tell you inconvenient truths. But he didn't hesitate to tell the truth. And the word translated places of honor is literally the first couches or the, the chief couches, the places reserved for the most important people. These are the VIP seats, okay? These are the ones everybody wants. And Jesus notices how people at the dinner were racing to seat themselves in the most prominent positions. So he instructs the guests to practice humility rather than pride. And the path of pride is so tempting because many of us desire immediate gratification and, and we want our work and our worth to be acknowledged by those around us. Do we have faith enough to wait? Do we have faith enough to wait? Sometimes we might think we've been waiting for a while <laughs> and we're just consistently overlooked by others, maybe even overlooked by God. So now we need to take matters into our own hands and now we need to start seeking some attention for ourselves. Now I need to start, you know, as the saying goes, looking out for number one. But does our importance or worth really depend on that way of thinking? Does our importance or worth really depend on how we compare to people around us and what others think about us? Jesus' story challenges us to live by a different set of values, the values of the kingdom of God. Consider the setting of this story. A wedding banquet, Jesus says. A wedding banquet is a time of uh, great celebration. Uh, you've probably been to a number of wedding banquets. I have too. And um, you know, you never know what might happen at a wedding. Sometimes it's like, wow, can you top that? And then the next one comes along and it's like, we're going to celebrate even more. We're going to do something even, even bigger. And then I read about this, which in my mind kind of tops them all. One bride ended the reception by jumping off of a trampoline and into a lake in her wedding dress. <laughs> so there she is. <laughs> and uh, her husband apparently launched her, I didn't see this, but I read about it, launched her off of an inflatable trampoline into the water. Now they, they did have that planned beforehand. That was not a wedding reception surprise. You would not want to surprise your spouse like that at your own wedding reception. But it's striking to me that Jesus would refer to a wedding banquet because Jesus never married. Uh, he blessed marriage, um, but we shouldn't forget Jesus was single and celibate, and he blessed singleness uh, in his own life. You know, the world tells us otherwise, but you don't have to be married or in a romantic relationship 
in order to live a fulfilling life. Jesus lived the most complete life ever, and he never married. God calls some people to singleness and others to marriage. Both are important in the kingdom of God. If you're married, you know it takes hard work to build a life together. Over time, the excitement can begin to wear off. Not every day is as easy or enjoyable as the wedding day when you're kind of jumping off a trampoline and you're just like on top of the world. Not every day is like that. And you know that if you're married. Here at Spry, we want to help build strong marriages. So this fall, we're offering the marriage course on Wednesday nights for seven weeks. And this course helps couples invest in their relationship and build a strong marriage. All married couples are welcome, no matter when the date was of your wedding banquet. Uh, no matter if it was recently or years ago, whatever. This is the kind of marriage enrichment experience I truly believe any married couple could benefit from. Childcare is provided. Details are in your bulletin. Registration is now open, and you can sign up today. For any celebration dinner, it would be a breach of etiquette to sit at the head table when your reserved seat is somewhere else. That's what Jesus warns against in this story. Don't seek out the place of honor. It might actually belong to someone else. Instead, take the lowest place, Jesus says, the lowest place. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is a paradox, one that can be received only through the eyes of faith. The way down is up, and the way up is down, according to Jesus. It takes great faith to believe that appearing to do the opposite is the very thing that will eventually grant the desired outcome. But the Bible is filled with such teaching. If you want to have, you must give away. If you want to live, you must be willing to die. If you want to be great, you must be willing to become a servant. We've seen such paradoxes throughout this series. In faith, there is conviction without proof. We can see what the eyes cannot. The crippled are made courageous. And finally, greatness comes not through self-elevation, but through humility and faith in God. The way to greatness, according to Jesus, is by humbling ourselves. That takes faith enough to wait. It takes the kind of faith that trusts we've not been overlooked by God. In his time and way, the Lord will reward such faith. Meanwhile, he calls us to do our part of working day in and day out for his kingdom. In our reading for this morning, Jesus goes on to say something else rather surprising. He says, when you give a luncheon or dinner, don't invite your friends 
your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they'll invite you back and you will be repaid that way. But when you give a banquet, Jesus says, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you'll be blessed. Although they can't repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now those are Jesus' words. Do we do that? Here again, we see how the values of God's kingdom are so different than the values of our world. Which values guide your life? And which ones should? A woman was standing in line at the store and was using her welfare card. But she realized she couldn't afford all her groceries, so she began to weep. And the people in line noticed, and there were these awkward moments. And what do you do? Well, here's what one person did. A woman behind her in line stepped up and said, ma'am, let me pay for your groceries. And she paid over $100 worth of groceries right there on the spot for that woman. And everybody in line and the people around all started to weep <laughs> as, as they saw this beautiful picture of, of what it means to be human. And they wept as they saw this beautiful picture of, of what God truly values and of what Jesus is talking about when he says, give to those who can't repay you and you'll be blessed. So I encourage you to pursue what God values and put that into practice for other people in your daily life as you practice faith enough to wait. You'll see time and time again that what Jesus truly values, that's what's really good, really beautiful, really true. The last book of the Bible describes what is to come at an extraordinary wedding banquet. And it, it is actually remarkable how the image of a, of a wedding and a banquet kind of weaves its way throughout the scriptures. And it appears very strongly at the very end. And there in the book of Revelation, we read of a cosmic, unending celebration of the wedding of the Lamb. One of the names for Jesus. The wedding of the Lamb, Jesus, and his bride. And who is the bride of Christ? It's the church. It's the church. It's you and me. God gave the Apostle John a vision of the promised new creation, and this is what it's going to be like. John writes, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. This isn't just any wedding celebration. This 
is the one our world has been groaning for, longing for, waiting for, desperately. And God promises it's coming. You can be sure of this. You're invited. You're invited. Jesus invites you to this eternal feast. We get a foretaste of it here and now at the Lord's table. The Lord's table is a place of great honor. And Jesus himself has prepared a place there for you. Faith trusts that we have not been overlooked by God. This is faith enough to wait. And it's what God wants for you and me. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you took the lowest place for us and that through your cross and resurrection, you are now the exalted Lord of all. We so desperately need your guidance. Our world needs it. Our lives need it. Lead us in your ways. Help us follow you in faith. We repent of the ways in which we have adopted and embraced the values of the world instead of the values of the kingdom of God. We repent, Lord. And we ask in your mercy that you will reorient us toward what you value most. We pray in your name. And as you taught us now, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily And forgive us our sins. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. In response to God's